0: Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. This episode was recorded just before Easter 2020 with TV producer Adil Abini. Adil's story went viral earlier in 2020 after he posted an article about his experiences with mental health and working as a freelancer. And he's very honest about his feelings on freelancing and how much help freelancers get in the industry. He's aiming to change things with his platform, The TV Mindset, talks me through his journey through depression and anxiety to being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well as offering advice for anyone struggling with anxiety whether that's financial professional or personal you can find the tv mindset by searching on facebook for tv mindset Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I am really chuffed to be chatting to Adil Amini, a freelance TV producer. Hi Adil, how are you doing? I'm good thank
1: you Jenny, how are you?
0: I'm very well thank you. We're another remote chat because we're all locked down at home. We were hoping to meet in person weren't we but I really wanted to chat to you because you've got a lot of things to, to impart to people, I think, for freelance fields. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
1: No, you're very welcome. And I think you'll find it's going to be a bonus because it means that you can shut me up at any time and cut me off, which <laughs> uh, is a lot harder to do in person when I start talking. So it's good luck. luck.
0: Oh, I love it. Thank you. Would you like to start by telling people a bit about what your freelance is and how long you've been freelance?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm a freelance TV producer and I've been working in the TV industry for 11 and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know my voice is very youthful and you can't tell. It that.
0: is. Your face is also very <laughs> youthful. <laughs>
1: uh, but no, I've been in the industry uh, for a very long time and I mainly work on comedy and entertainment shows. I work from project to project, obviously worked from being a runner all the way up to senior producer, which I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just go to, you know, as, well as most freelancers do, just go to whoever will hire me.
0: Yes, I know that feeling. That's very much how I work as well. Are you happy to name any of the shows you work on or is it all top secret?
1: I have done stuff like 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, uh, did a last like special, Blind Date, Catchphrase, uh, Who Wants to Be Millionaire? Uh, a lot of, yeah, shiny floor studio celebrity entertainment. I used to do Alan Carr's chat show as well back in the day. I um, bet that was fun. So- Oh yeah, so much fun. That and the Olympics. Um, but yeah, done a lot really.
0: What a resume. I'm very uh, <laughs> impressed indeed. <laughs> and do you like being freelance? I know there's a lot of the fields which we're going to go into very much because because of your sort of things that have happened for you, but do you do you like it generally? I mean, that's quite a few years to be freelance. That implies to me that overall you, you don't yeah. mind
1: it too much. <laughs> do you know what? I've asked myself this question so many times as to whether it's become a sort of nature or nurture thing. Have I grown to love freelancing because it's you know the nature of my industry and I love my industry and my job? Or is it that my personality was always like this and I just found the right job for it? Because I really do love changing every few months. I love starting a new job. I love that first day of school feeling, which is a very weird thing to say, I know, but um, no, I, know I just love meeting mean. new people. All of my friends, you know, I've made through the industry. You know, there's 11 years of new jobs. And yeah, it's just it's just fascinating. A new challenge, a new show, a new brief to work with, you know, seeing your work on screen, a different audience. I love that. I absolutely love it. And I do think what I would be like in a nine to five job now, And you know, I, I think it's great for a lot of reasons, for security reasons and financial and whatnot. But whether it would suit my personality, I'm not sure.
0: That's a very... A very good point, actually. And you kind of get to that stage, don't you, where this is what you know? And I think a lot of freelancers think, "Oh, maybe I'll go back into a job." But actually, I'm not sure we would know what to do with ourselves if we had to be in the office every day at the same time. Your hours quite unusual. Do you work a lot of evenings because of what yes. you do?
1: Yeah, I think. um I mean, TV is is notorious, especially at my uh, stage and certainly on my side of things, which we call editorial. Mm. So, um, editorial is all the um, creative side. Uh, your researchers, producers, that kind of thing. And then you've got production, who are the production managers and the coordinators who help you with all the budgets and the money and arranging all the logistics. And then obviously, you've got crew who are in the studio like cameramen and editors and directors and that kind of thing so they all get they're they're on stuff uh, and contracts where they get overtime um whereas when we work long hours we're just basically contracted for a fixed amount and that's what it is no matter how long we work which again i imagine is the same for a lot of freelancers yes um,
0: oh that's interesting so, though yeah
1: yeah so we um Yeah, it depends on the show. And as I've gotten older, I've picked shows where I don't have to work so late and I do have a work-life balance. So there have been times where I've worked till one in the morning and then gone back in 7am and done that five days in a row and had the most ridiculous anxiety.
0: Oh and stress and pressure
1: right. From it, but the last few years have been very good, well run productions that have enabled me to go work at a normal time and always leave at like 6 six thirty. Um, apart from obviously studio, when we're recording in studio, mm-hmm. that's a good like five or six days of a.m. starts to very late finishes, but you You know, the week up to that could also be a little bit tricky and and long, but you don't mind because, you know, the rest of it's been so much fun and the studio environment and actually making a show, for me, that's where the magic of TV is. So you definitely don't mind it. But yeah, sometimes it can be really horrific and there are some truly horrible stories out there of workplace culture
0: it's funny isn't it because when you're in a creative industry like that and I I can relate to what you just said from um, an editorial sort of print or digital point of view you know you want to stay until the magazine's been put to bed because it's everybody's collective baby kind of thing but at the same time once you do that amount of work it's then expected of you the next time so you feel like you can't say no. I need to go home now. I'm not feeling great, or I'm exhausted, because you have a fear of losing perhaps the next contract, and then it kind of snowballs sometimes, doesn't it, where you're lost, trapped in that situation?
1: Absolutely, and you sort of there's that thing of um, oh, I have to be seen to be at my desk, and mm. yeah, not not slacking. And I'm really keen now that I'm in a position where I employ other people, is mm. that I want to make sure that no one feels that way. And for me, my team is going to be useless if they're staying for no reason till late, and when I actually need them to stay late. You know they'll be they'll be too tired and overworked. That's great. Um, I love
0: that you're looking out for your team like that. That's really lovely. That's kind of like I mm. think
1: I think you know the change in culture has to come from us. Like you know we've all been with bosses who've put us through certain things because that's what they were put through. yes um, And I just refuse to do that. I think well no the, the only time a culture is going to change is if I do this in a certain way and if I run my team and my production um well enough then people won't have to stay late or when I do ask them to do it if they'll they'll want to do it because you know they've had uh, a decent time of it so far but what I realize is that other people then take that forward Mm -hmm. so that's how you know I see the repayment is that you know then they're going to take that culture with them and hopefully the industry will become a little bit better in that sense
0: that's really lovely. And I guess you, you speak of that because, you know, the, the reason I, I found out about you is the reason a lot of people found out about you earlier this year is you were, appeared in an article that went quite viral and, and everybody heard your personal story. And that's what made me sort of immediately. Connect. Lots of people sent me your, the article, is what I mean to say, because they said, oh, Jenny, look at this story. This is, a, this is a freelance feels experience right here. And I think, would you like to sort of tell people a little bit about that and, and what, what happened for you? And then what what that led to for you as well.
1: So um, about three years ago, no, nearly four years ago now, um, so eight years into my career, Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, which was sort of the end really of of a few tough months uh, where I changed my financial situation and I was um, struggling to find work as I'd just been promoted to producer. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was suddenly competing with producers who'd been doing it eight, nine years. So I was really struggling to find a foothold. Um, I was basically sleeping on a floor, uh, had no money, was barely eating, and yeah, I saw the real dark side and extreme of the industry, and I already was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and had a really rough time in my 20s, so this just led to an absolute spiral. Uh, I was also at that point in an abusive relationship and heavily dependent on drugs. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a good time at all. And I was still trying to work, trying to function, but it was all just getting on top of me. And then in January 2016, I was finally diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, um, which for people who don't know is a condition of extremes and, you know, erratic behavior, extreme behavior, a lot of acting out. And um, yeah, I think it would be safe to say that if I hadn't left London and the industry at the time that I did, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you.
0: Yeah, um, so you, so you left path. at that point. You said, I've got to take a break from this. I've got to stop. Not immediately. No. no,
1: not immediately, because no one wants to admit a, that they have a problem or that they have a personality disorder. and It was quite mm. difficult for me to gi- digest and to take further and know what to do with it. So I just carried on as if everything was normal, which was clearly not the right thing to do. And it was only when I had a few extreme situations where I was like, right, OK, if I don't leave right now, I'm not going to survive. So a few very, very difficult and painful situations had to happen um, in order for me to realise that I had to get out. And, you know, the one good thing that I had was a supportive family who just sort of, you know, didn't ask any questions and took me in. I went back to Yorkshire and just sort of decided, well, I wasn't even sure that I was going to come back to the industry, to be honest with you. I just thought, okay, right. I've done my time and clearly it didn't have enough for me and it didn't want me in there. So. You know, I've been working for eight years and now I can't even turn to anyone. I have no one to talk to. I can't Mm. even share my thoughts on social media because if I do, then people are going to think I'm a liability and I'm not hireable or, you know, that I've got, as they say, mental issues and all of that stuff. So I I couldn't even, you know, I just kept it all wrapped up. And then obviously there's a culture of silence in general with families and just men talking about mental health. So yeah, I was in a pretty rotten position. And then when I finally came up, here uh, to Yorkshire where I am now as well talking to you I I just thought I don't care I'm gonna have to write about this because writing is the way I get through it and I've always you know before I even joined TV I was always a writer that was my thing so I just wrote a post on Medium about what I was going through and shared it and yeah the response was incredible like people were just like oh my god you know we had no clue and it was really sensitive and made us cry but also you know we felt what you have and you're finally talking about it. And it really gave me a sense of like acceptance and closure and also start to move on really and, and have the tools to move on and again I, I wasn't sure whether i wanted to come back to tv or whether that life was right for me but mm. it was it was a good thing to do and i always say to people i was like the best thing i could have ever done and the, certainly the turning point was writing about it and sharing
0: yeah that. and it's a huge thing to do isn't it? it's kind of a i guess as if you are a writer or you have been a writer it can be a bit of a default like i guess when i started freelance feels one of my things was well i'll just write about this stuff and hopefully it will turn into something else and it did but did, did you feel like it was quite quite an offload isn't it? it to kind of put it all even though you're sharing it with the world by putting it onto medium for those who don't know mediums google medium.com it's kind of like a website where you can join and upload your own content and then it's shared between various parts of the sort of subheads of the site isn't it yeah did it did it feel like a relief almost to get it out there and to say actually guys I'm not I'm not doing okay here this jolly freelance life you all think I'm living isn't quite as gold-plated as as you might think
1: yes I think for me if I'm being honest at the time it didn't feel like anything because I wasn't feeling anything mm. at all. I think that was the main thing is that, right, I'm just doing it. But I think I ended it saying, you know, <laughs> it sounds a bit morbid, but I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm not even going to give you that reassurance. but. You know, I just wanted to put this out there. So it wasn't even with the intention of thinking, oh, this is going to make me feel better or whatever. I just wanted to write and share and just stop pretending. And that was what, yeah, led me to that. And obviously, you know, fast forward three years, three and a half years. we know, I'm now able to use those experiences to help other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly the way that we got in touch was uh, me being a case study for the film and TV charity Um, and and sharing my story because it is quite intense and it can be quite a lot for a lot of people but I always say that if me being honest about who I am and where I come from and showing that I've got a career on the other side of it if that you know sharing that story can maybe even help one person then I'll share it a hundred times.
0: I'm definitely very glad that you did and did you find a lot of people came to you either people you'd been working with or people you didn't know and sort of said oh my god I'm I'm feeling this way too or I felt this way that there was a community there that responded did you find that the community responded with a oh thank goodness you said this because I'm feeling that way as well not initially because okay.
1: my situation was so you know, personal and mm. my you know problems were so individual that I don't think people were wanting to sort of like take away from that and, and sure. some of the things I've been sharing however when I came out on the other side you know a couple of years uh, later and certainly towards the end of 2018 when I started having um the idea for a support group for Mm. freelancers which is now called the tv mindset
0: yes I want to ask you about this yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah, that was um basically me boiling down my issues a little bit further like saying okay yes you had these certain you know idiosyncratic situations that only you went through but at the same time Let's take it a bit further and see what made those situations worse or that personality disorder worse mm-hmm. and what situations you've been put in in a work environment in order to do that. A few of the situations that I was going through at work made me feel the same way that I used to. Mm-hmm. And there's me thinking, you know, obviously you never conquer your issues completely, but you think, why am I going through this again? And what's what's triggering me? And you work out what that is. So I took a step back and and worked out, that OK, maybe there's a more macro thing to look at here. Mm -hmm. So there are certain environments that we're put in, in our place of work that trigger us or certainly exacerbate a lot of existing mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. And if we don't sort of fight that and share that um, or, you know, talk about them, that maybe this industry stops becoming accessible to people who have issues um, or uh, can't talk about them or don't have the required help. And I guess that's why I set up the support group that I did. So that's now called the TV mindset. But Mm. I realized that, you know, what I went through and when I was going through it, I didn't know who I could turn to. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, you know, you, you must realize and relate uh, to this as well is that, you know, as freelancers, we have no support. We have no body. We have no union. We have no one fighting our case. We have no occupational health. We have no pension or, you know, anything that is extended to a staff contract, we don't have. And. That really got to me and just thought, even on a mental health level, why do we have no support whatsoever? Why did I have no one to talk to or no one to share any of this with? And, and you know, that's how the TV Mindset was born.
0: If there had been a group like the TV Mindset, you might have been able to go on there and say, I'm, I'm struggling today or I've had my diagnosis. Can, can I talk to someone? You might not have been quite that you know immediate about it but you might have gone on there and searched through some of the posts if that had already existed so is it a Facebook group and is it just Facebook or is it a website how does it manifest the TV mindset where can people find it
1: so the TV mindset initially was events that we did under that banner but we would talk about them on Facebook weirdly Facebook is still the place to go for TV jobs so that's where everything oh. happens. and there's also like a, a very small Twitter and Instagram presence but yeah it's um, mainly Facebook and yeah people just sort of started hearing about these events we did uh, the first one with ITV and then with Fremantle Mm. and with the BFI Um, so you know there's a lot of big names attached to it and this was even before the BBC article came out Mm. so you know there was clearly a need for what I was doing Um, and that's that's the thing that always gets to me is when I announced my first event the response Mm. was so massive like You know, we only had 40 spaces, but they sold out in less than 10 minutes.
0: Wow. Um, That's speedy.
1: Yeah, it was mad. And like there was so many people sharing it. I think, you know, it's been such a widely shared event. And yeah, it just made me think this wouldn't happen unless there was a need for it. And we've clearly hit on something that people are looking for. Yeah, that's been the thing that drives me is that knowing that even for just a small amount of people, this needs to exist.
0: It's funny because in in the BBC article you said, I don't think I'd be exaggerating if I said if all the freelancers in the industry stood up and walked out the industry would 100% stop running that's just so powerful to me and it it really resonated for my industry and I think there's a lot of other freelancers that that's applicable through a lot of different freelance disciplines there's a silent workforce isn't there that keeps companies together that I guess is now coming to the fore because everyone's realizing just how many self-employed people there are in the country right now
1: I think that the way I would put it personally is that we're not a silent workforce so Mm. much as a a workforce that has been silent um we can't like fight for our rights because we're worried about our employment and yeah. you know if we seem to upset the you know the system that's already been placed it been in place for so long
0: mm-hmm.
1: um then we're known as a troublemaker, and we're the ones that, that you know don't just put your head, their heads down and, and do the job and you just you know you end up getting a bit of a reputation because you're trying to fight for the even basic rights yeah. And my two sort of um part of the manifesto of the t v mindset. one is to say that um, just because something has been done historically in one way doesn't mean it's the right way. And, yes. you know, the reason that a lot of us have either left the industry or feel like it's ripped us apart or has, has treated us in a certain way is because we're bowing to these archaic systems. The other is just about us realising that we have put so much into these companies. We make a lot of these companies a lot of money and the accountability they have for us is zero. And that's another thing is, is just putting a lot of pressure on companies and saying, look, without us, you wouldn't have a lot of this stuff. So mm. what are you doing for us and what can you give to us? And I'm really pleased to say that a lot of them are responding, you know, to some of the ideas that, that I've had and that I'm putting forward in terms of mental health. And they're responding really well and they do want to help. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of systems and blocks involved in that. But yeah, it's about accountability. It's about saying that, right, OK, we do this for you. What can you do for us? And it is also just finding that strength. And certainly with the TV mindset as well, it's the thing that I do say is that, you know that's. That's not going to happen overnight. That battle is going to take a long time. And I guess the other thing that you realise is that whether whether we know it or not, sometimes we're pitted against each other because we think, okay, that mm. person's going to be competing for my job. God, and, that's so you know, true. You know, you know, I can't talk to that person, or, or you know, they might say something or whatever. And I'm trying to flip that on its head. And I say, look, yeah, you know, this is something I, I said early on, and often in in the meetings that we have, but I say. We can't rely on these companies to look after us, so maybe it's Mm. time we looked after each other, because we are such a strong workforce together, and if we just bring all of that knowledge and power together, then then why can't we? I think it's also about taking a step back and realising that we're not going to be doing this forever, but what are we leaving behind for the next lot? You know, I look at the industry now and think, could a boy from Bradford like me, without any TV connections and a family that's not even remotely connected to the media, would he be able to survive in the industry? Mm. And I can't say with full confidence that the answer is yes. Similarly, with, with somebody with BPD or, you know, a single mum or mm. a trans person or, you know, someone from any sort of marginalised uh, part of society or an intersection, would they be able to survive? And I just know that, you know, what, what I see myself as right now, mm. um, yes, granted, I've been, you know, discriminated against for various things and my background and sexuality and, you know, my mental health and whatever. but I do see myself in a position of privilege at the moment. I'm 11 years into my career. I'm solid as a producer. Um, I know I can get my jobs and I know where where I stand with things. Mm. But what I'm looking out for are the runners and the researchers and the people who are starting out in their careers who aren't so fortunate. So for Mm. me, this is an example of using privilege And also just knowing that I'm not going to be in this job forever. Like I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to cling on to this role. Like one day you're going to have to give (laughs) it up or you're going to move on or something else. So why not leave this industry in a position that's just a lot healthier so that the next lot don't have to go through what, you know, what I did or what everyone else has. And that also, you know, there's two other bits of the, the sort of TV mindset manifesto that we use. One is just the phrase never again. And it drives me so much because I just think what happened to me should never happen to anyone else ever again.
0: Yeah, and that absolutely. goes
1: for my personal life. You know, whether it's a friend or you know, someone in my industry. But certainly, that is quite an absolute, but it is a real driving force. Just to say no, that I not on my watch, not going to happen. It's something I saw on a on a mural outside of school in uh, in London near where I live, and it said nothing for me that also is not for everyone else. Oh, that's and lovely. That's, yeah, and I thought that's exactly how this is going to be. Like yes fair enough if I want representation and if I want to make the industry better for people like me that's not for me representation that's narcissism yeah. so it's got to be available for everyone and that includes everyone whatever your background
0: if, if something gives me anxiety or something maybe triggers something in me often I can then go out again or I'm seeing friends that evening so I can talk to them about it face to face and kind of dis- diffuse it a bit but right now if something happens for work as a freelancer at home with those feelings with that emotion Mm. with that that challenge and unable to perhaps go anywhere with it apart from another room how are you kind of finding that is that something you're able to balance are you doing okay with that at the moment
1: i'm doing okay with it personally because i've still got my job and Mm. i'm also running tv mindset which which is taking up a lot of time because there's been a lot of people needing a group like that and and we've seen our numbers go up in the last two weeks yeah Um, you know, so exponentially. And I think people in other industries who aren't even TV are beginning to realise, you know, there's a little support group there and obviously organising like events, so webinars, um, just things to keep people afloat, really, because um, I know how it feels. I know how it feels to be completely lost and directionless and thinking that, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get out of this. And it's important to reassure people that you will and you can have a thriving career on the other side of it. Yeah. I've managed to break it down into three areas though so for me personally like i said i i'm all right i'm i'm still working and keeping on top of things um keeping busy making sure i make adequate time for myself mm-hmm. um and doing you know what i need to but i've had a lot of practice you know and i've, I've learned that the hard way my worry is and, and this is where i break it down threefold is for freelancers in this position right now their anxiety is going to come in in different areas and there yes. are really key areas of their lives one is financial anxiety
0: you know, at time of
1: recording we don't know whether the government uh, is going to be able to support the sort of freelancers that, that exist in TV. People yeah. don't know where their next paycheck is coming from and normally that's just a question of waiting for the phone to ring which is already damaging for your self-esteem. But yes. this time it, it's not even an if, it's a when. When is the phone to ring? When are we going to be able to be out of lockdown and go to work in a normal way? So financial anxiety is really getting to people. Obviously professional anxiety when I do go back to work, what form is that going to take? What is my career going to look like? Is all the hard work that I've done going to go to waste? And that's, you know, for people who are just starting out or for other people, am I suddenly having to compete against all of these people who are suddenly all out of work at once and rushing, but, you know, is every job going to now have 50 applicants instead of 20? So the professional anxiety there as well. And then finally, of course, there's a personal anxiety, which is what everyone up and down the country must be going through. And that's just managing your mental health in a in a quite possibly the most Unique and strange time any of us have ever seen. So you know you don't have the stability. You 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 are sort of pretty much locked down. People can't see their loved ones, and you're often left alone with your thoughts. And sometimes that can either be good for people or unveil mental health issues that weren't overly manifesting before. So it's really tough for freelancers. And I I do think that you know these three waves of anxiety are are going to hit people, and they're going to hit people in different ways over the next few weeks but that's why we're here and that's why I'm trying to hopefully do what I do and, and see as many of us do it.
0: I'm feeling all of what you've just said there. It's it's so, the financial thing in particular, I think, underpins so much, doesn't it? Because mm. if, if you have money in the bank or you have money coming in, suddenly the part of your brain that would normally worry about that is just immediately free to start planning other things sending some emails or reaching out to people that you might be able to work with but if you're worrying about money and cash flow it just almost puts a cloud across your brain where it's like that's the biggest worry and it sort of it can be all consuming I think you spot on there that that is I mean yes it's a huge worry at the moment as to what freelancers are going to be able to claim and when and I guess for a lot of us we are used to being on the back foot with money in terms of chasing invoices or in terms of go on a PAYE well the next payroll's not for six weeks because you've joined at the near the end of a month or something but we're not used to not knowing like you say for much much longer than that have you got anything in place in terms of any advice for people who might have the financial anxiety is there any advice you'd share with them in terms of what they might be able to do from experience
1: On a practical level, look at what's out there because there's probably more help out there than you realise. Certainly my industry, there's a film and TV charity. They've got a relief fund where they got a one million pound donation from Netflix um, and 700,000 from BBC. Film and TV charity also offer small term uh, grants as well for those struggling Mm -hmm. in the industry. They've also got a great helpline. But there's so many different avenues and people that you can um, talk to and you're not alone in it, for sure yeah um, but also there are different types of help that are available to you so I would say have a look um, at what's around
0: that's brilliant advice and what kind of advice and again from experience if there's anything you're doing in particular um, I'd be interested to know how are you kind of keeping things balanced for yourself and yourself on a I I mean you sound very positive today and it sounds like there is work albeit perhaps not you don't know what's happening with work in the future but but mm. right now you do have some work sort of going on um, but what kind of things are you doing either physical or practical to kind of get yourself through the current situation as a freelancer.
1: Uh, yeah, I think for, for me personally I know that <laughs> once you've been through hell everything else sort yeah. of seems a little bit bit uh, dry in comparison so mm. you know there, there's that that sort of optimism knowing that you know what you've been here in, in some form at least not necessarily with what's going on on the outside but you've certainly been here in some form in the past and you, you got out of it once and we will all get out of it again. For me personally obviously just taking enough time that I'm able to manage my triggers and I'm not overwhelmed by everything that's that's the main thing Mm -hmm. but mindfulness is key really and that is the sense of not being able to of not worrying about the past because obviously it's done, not worrying about the future because you can't control it. So, just very much maintaining yourself in this moment, focusing on each day for what it is and doing what you can in that point. And also, not having the guilt that we tend to give ourselves. Or oh, I'm not doing yeah. enough, or let your body and your mind feel what they need to feel and just go with it. If you want to have a day in bed, yeah, let yourself have that. Everyone else is probably doing it, or you <laughs> yeah. know, you just got to listen to your body and mind. And if, if those thoughts are, you know, turning darker and stretching on for a longer period, then it, it's a sign that perhaps you should reach out to somebody uh, professionally for help. One of the many helplines that do exist. So, yeah, just just listening to your mind and body, taking enough breaks, doing enough for yourself. For me, personally, the thing that I get a lot of uh, joy out of is um, helping other people, I guess, and yes. using... What I can do. Okay, there's so many things I can't change, but what can I do? And I must stress, though, uh, absolutely must stress this in this time more than anything is that I don't think personally that the best place you can be to help other people is if you help yourself first. So rather than directing all of that attention and energy to other things, which may help you, but make sure you're giving a significant. of that to yourself and at your level because otherwise you're going to be useless to
0: everyone and one thing i meant to ask you earlier just before i let you go is i think a lot of people listening who don't work in your industry would be really interested to know how the tv world is working would you mind giving us a little bit of insight into how you are still managing to do what you do in the current situation are there lots of sort of markers on the studio floor i guess they can't because everyone's going to be moving two meters apart from each other all the time and presenters are sitting two meters apart aren't they is it has it really changed in that respect is, it, have you found a rhythm with the with the way well, of I'm, working
1: i'm in pre-production at the moment so a lot of that is office based i'm luckily working a show uh, on a show that that allows a lot of pre-production to happen remotely um and there's a lot of creative stuff that we do with zoom meetings and pictures. so you know, that that's really Uh, Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones, for sure. And, you know, I don't work with members of the public so much. And, you know, we film everything in a block. So our filming has been moved. But I think when, you know, when, when we come to do it, hopefully things won't change that much. But at the moment, I think the TV industry is working on ways of producing shows because we're aware that the nation needs entertainment. It's more clear than ever that we will have to keep producing shows. And this industry is a lot of things, but it's also, it can... Banded together really well, and it is nothing if not creative. So, we will find a way of making shows, we will find a way of working, we'll commission things in different ways, um, and we'll produce things in different ways, but we will keep those wheels turning for sure.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm such a TV addict, I would be distraught if I couldn't turn on. I know there will be some people going through isolation who don't have tvs because they don't watch tv and they're perfectly happy and minding their own business without watching all the different shows but i i'm very much a tv person so i would like to thank you for what you do and everyone else <laughs> you work with who might be producing well, the a show the that next, i watch
1: <laughs> the next time i go to work i will think of you and i'm doing this for jenny That's you it. are yes yeah. specifically
0: yeah. for me and my, my, my <laughs> because it's just to wind down you know tv is a real wind down thing for me it's very much a end of the day tv on so oh Adil, thank you so much it's been brilliant chatting to you i've, I've felt really emotional through our chat actually i'm really oh. to put you for your honesty about it all and then um, would you like to tell people where they might be able to find you if they are someone who was looking for a freelance tv producer or how yeah. they can find the tv mindset and anything else you'd like to share with people
1: if you want to find me and god help you if you do But I'm a dealer meanie on all of the old socials. Yeah, you'll basically get a lot of political rants and memes and inappropriate humor on on that side of things. If you want to find the TV mindset and more about what we do, then we're the TV mindset on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, and Instagram. And you can reach out to me through those or on LinkedIn. And yeah, I would just say whether you're in this industry uh, or not, but just any freelancers, just remember to look after yourselves, but also remember that we are building something for that they can hopefully expand to other industries realize that you know there's a lot of strength in the group that we're in and that you won't be forgotten
0: thank you thank you so much for joining me Adil I wish you well thank you for listening to Freelance Feels the podcast for humans who work for themselves If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take a moment to rate and review it. I would be super grateful. If you'd like to find out more about Freelance Feels, it's at freelance underscore feels on Twitter and Instagram, freelancefeels.com online, and there's now a Freelance Feels newsletter at freelancefeels.substack.com. See you again soon.